0: To a brand new episode of Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbyte's weekly news show rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Uh, this week, I sat down to talk to Imran Khan about Time Splitters and E3 and a bunch of stuff in between. But first, we have to get to our top story of the week. This week's top story in games and entertainment is a shocker at ts massive push into the home entertainment space appears to be over after the decision was made to spin off Warner Media into a separate entity as part of a $43 billion merger with Discovery. David Zaslav, Discovery's CEO, will helm the new venture. If you're maybe under the age of 25 and haven't had cable consistently in your life up to this point, Discovery's offering may not uh, be all that clear to you, but they own a big chunk of popular cable channels as well as their own streaming service called Discovery+. Plus. Discovery owns the Things like HGTV, Food Network, Murder Shows Incorporated, aka Investigation Discovery, and TLC. That means Guy Fieri, 90 Day Fiance, and super old reruns of Dateline. It's a big media group. Warner Media is, of course, the home uh, of HBO and HBO Max, their streaming service. They hold IPs like Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and a bunch of DC-related ventures. It's, uh, it's also where you can see the upcoming Friends Reunion. And if you want to know more about that, you can go to friendsreunion.show. <clears throat> anyway... Uh, Discovery has no clear plans to get out of the 80 million homes that still pay for cable in the United States, but this merger allows them to immediately control a large portion of the streaming market right away, with HBO Max uh, currently housing properties like Friends, Adult Swim shows, and all of the aforementioned Prestige and DC content. So we've covered television and film. What about DC Comics? Well, it'll now be under the New Venture umbrella as well. The comics division was hit hard with layoffs last year, and we don't know yet if David Zaslov has clear, clear plans for the brand outside of obvious streaming and film distribution rights. So what about the news? That's right. CNN will now be under this new venture as well. For now, it seems that CNN head Jeff Zucker will remain in place and continue to run one of the biggest news organizations in the world. As for sports, Turner still owns a lot of broadcasting rights to Major League Baseball and the National Basketball Association. And since those rights are fairly lucrative for all parties, we imagine those deals will stay in place. Same for professional wrestling, with AEW Dynamite moving to TBS, and a new show, Fridays, starting on TNT. Are you sensing a theme? Not a lot is changing, at least not right away. With a merger this size, the moving parts take a while to figure out. That isn't to say that things won't change or move or close, but for now, David Zasloff seems content to get a lay of the land before making any major moves. One move that could be coming, as many outlets are speculating, is the removal of WarnerMedia CEO Jason Collar. For now, he remains with the company, but he could be preparing for an exit package since he ruffled a lot of feathers in 2020 with his rather cavalier approach to film premieres. While his approach to premiere huge films on HBO Max was amazing for the home viewer, it will likely cost Warner Brothers $1 billion or more and lost box office revenue it can't really make back on the streaming side. That forward-thinking concept might cost Kalar a chance to redeem that decision under the new Ventures management. Another part of this deal that might be uh, relevant to your interests is what's happening with WB Games. AT&T tried to sell off the subsidiary last year, but eventually decided to hang on to it. Now the entity is going over to the new venture, but with one little teeny tiny wrinkle. AT&T says, quote, some of the gaming arm will stay with AT&T and some will go to the company, end quote, in a conversation with Axios. Uh, No other details were provided. This could mean, and I have to stress could here. Since we don't know at all, but if AT and T decides to keep Rocksteady, for example, it would have to get the license from DC. I mean, from Warner Media, the new venture for DC content from this new entity, which could. Put the future of DC games made by Rocksteady in jeopardy. Now, I'm not saying that would be particularly smart for anyone involved, but Rocksteady, NetherRealm, and Avalanche are all talented studios working on big products, and they could very well stick with AT&T. We just don't know yet. The deal for the merger won't close until mid-2022, so there is a lot of time between now and then for those details to change and emerge. And yada, yada, yada. Oddly enough, it seems like the only thing AT&T isn't sure it wants to get away from in the entertainment space is games. We'll see if they oscillate between now and when the deal closes. Either way, it's another massive, massive merger in this space, which means another player in the Netflix, Disney and Amazon sweepstakes for who can control most of the stuff that we like to watch and play. That's not necessarily great news. Uh, I want to thank uh, Julia Alexander over at uh, IGN for always her amazing reporting in the streaming space. Uh, also Imran Khan uh, and a Variety contributed to this top story. In a week full of weird little surprises, none surprised me more than the reformation of the studio Free Radical and the return of their IP time splitters. Here with me to discuss that bizarre bit of news, as well as some other stuff going on in the games industry, is fanbite.com net news editor Imran Khan. Hi, I'm feeling free and radical. Wow. Uh this was such a strange little piece of news. I think about time splitters a lot um and it's it's such a weird little snapshot of the early 2000s. Can you tell us a little bit about the franchise itself and then also how this happened?
1: So, it's a it's good. it goes back a lot to like 2000 or but when Rare made GoldenEye, they wanted to make a GoldenEye 2, but they could not get the license because MGM was very weird about <laughs> they simply did not like GoldenEye cuz it is a James Bond kills thousands of people to accomplish a very menial task kind of game and they ended up making perfect dark instead which is a fantastic game i think but much better than GoldenEye. but you know it's not everyone agreed and rare ended up getting the discussions of rare getting sold to meg were around happening around then a number of people from rare were like well why don't we just leave and do our own thing because like we don't want to be Beholding the Corporations or whatever as our destiny in gaming for the near future. So they left and made Free Radical Design. Uh, They made the Time Splitter series, which is in a lot of ways a spiritual successor to both GoldenEye and and Perfect Dark. To more Time Splitters 2 because literally the first level of Time Splitters 2 is the damn level from GoldenEye. (laughs) Just remade. And that was just kind of like their niche was they're making these uh anachronistic uh first person shooters that did not feel like they were really imp- are changing things up but had a nice little bit of nostalgia to them. Uh they they did great. Are not, I mean they did fine. Yeah. After Free Radical was tapped by Sony to make Haze, the PS3 <laughs> la- or not launch game, but launch window game. Yeah and it was such a critical mess that <laughs> they no longer got publishing deals for Timesplitters because people were so afraid of working with them and having another haze on their hands. So things kind of stopped working out well for them there. And it's been a, like... That was about 15 years ago. And the last 15 years have involved them being bought and closed and moved to new studios and all that. And basically, it's one of those situations where Free Radical, the name is gone, and probably a lot of the people are also gone. So when... the THT Nordic announced, or t- uh, yeah, the Embracer Group announced in 2018. Hey, we want the Time Slurge IP. There's this question of who's going to make it, right? And the answer appears to be we'll just get Free Radical back together, which <laughs> seems like an insane solution, but sure.
0: Yeah, I mean one of, one of the details in the story is that you know the folks that left Free Radical started a studio called Dam Buster, which is uh, really funny because they just can't get away from dams, I guess. Um, <laughs> But but like it's unclear if that studio, which still exists and is working on stuff, working on Dead Island, right? Dead Island Two.
1: Yes, they um, are. They are one of the long line of zombies studios that are working <laughs> on Dead Island Two.
0: Which which is not clear, you know, if if like folks are going to leave Dan Buster and come back to Free Radical. I mean, one of the founders is back in Free Radical, right?
1: Yeah, d- okay. uh, Doke, David Doke, yeah. who is. I did not realize that was a person and not just a Goldeneye character until fairly recently. (laughs)
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah. So like, I mean, this is pure speculation, but it's like Dead Island 2's development is uh, like famously not going well. Um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, I don't know. It's like, I, I have to imagine it might be tempting for a lot of those folks to like jump back on the ship and go work for, for time splitters again. Did you, did you ever play any of these games?
1: I played the multiplayer of two heavily.
0: Right. And like
1: that, that was really fun. Like playing it with Red. And I, if I recall two was the one that had like this, uh, co-op mode with like a bunch of zombies that you were just trying to flee from and yes. it was weirdly good. Yeah. And like that's kind of, I think when you make a new time it can't be just one like time traveling campaign that's like, you know, kinda of humorous or whatever. Like that that's part of the Timeslitter DNA, but if you make a new one, you have to have like really inventive multiplayer modes, which is yeah. was kind of rare's thing with Goldeneye yeah. and Perfect Dark. So I imagine they've not started work on this game yet. They're starting work in the next coming months because they're yeah. currently still staffing up. I imagine on the design doc that it was like numero uno. was like, let's pitch whatever multiplayer gaming idea you have and let's just mm-hmm. do it. Whatever idea we can throw in this game, we can't. We'll do yeah.
0: it. Yeah, I, I remember, I mean, this came out at, uh, at a, I think it was, yeah, it was my senior senior year of high school right before winter break. So this was just, you know, Senior year was already like fuck all. Like I, you know, I I wasn't doing anything. I was playing video games anyway. And I remember the marketing of the second one specifically, the marketing and kind of the review cycle was very much leaning into. I feel like more than the original. Hey, the people that made GoldenEye made this game. Like, do you like GoldenEye? Do you like sitting in a room and playing GoldenEye with your friends? You should you should check this game out. And they were right because that game really. Felt like uh, uh, a an actual successor to GoldenEye in a way that I feel like it was even more of a natural extension of that game than even Perfect Dark was because Perfect Dark tried some stuff that I, wasn't as successful for me, mm-hmm. but but like Time Splitters was really a return to a very you know specific kind of you know close close ish quarters uh, kind of arena shooter which was like. I don't know. It was a blast. And it was one of those things where like, it's such a bizarre little IP that I didn't follow it in the sense that like, I wasn't really that excited about it because maybe the story mode stuff didn't stick out to me to your point about like, yeah, you can't just make this time traveling thing. It's not that interesting. Um, but yeah, like, I I don't know. I, I I, am super excited to see what they do. um, yeah, I wonder if they'll go for full retail or just do like a you know, free to play multiplayer thing.
1: I have to imagine, like currently, Embracer Group's business model is a full retail model. Yeah, but it yeah, is. who by the time this game comes out, who knows, who knows what it will look like? Right? If they're starting soon, where that is a an end of the generation, maybe cross
0: gen game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I think if Time Timesplitters really returns to its you know, it's multiplayer, like you know best practices, then I think it could stand beside games like apex, which are very open and like very, very vertical. Um, and time splitters was a little bit less like that, but it could evolve. Right. So yeah, I'm really interested to see how, how this team actually, um, brings it into, uh, 2020 2023 2024 I'm going to guess sometime sometime around then um, 4 or 5 would four be 4 or 5 guess, yeah. yeah I mean it's going to be crazy um the other this is not important but I I I laugh every single time THQ Nordic or Coke Media or the Embracer group comes up because their entire like like conglomerate thing is so confusing to me now about like who is actually controlling what as part yeah. of this group but yeah
1: it used to be worse because THQ Nordic was the parent company and also <laughs> right. one of the arms. Yeah. So like talking about like at least Embracing Group may sound like a super evil corporation, <laughs> which maybe they are, but at least I can differentiate that and the publishing arm THQ Nordic, yeah. which makes explaining all this easier.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh. Well, Dead Island 2 was revealed back in 2014's sony e3 press conference which is wild mm-hmm. um speak, speaking of e3 that's around the corner um that feels weird to me
1: yeah that is oh. it is well i mean i guess to get like inside baseball a little bit it's weird especially because in a normal e3 this would have been already planned by this point yeah. everything would have been done yeah. at this point we still don't know if Nintendo and Microsoft are having shows. Or, yeah, I guess we know Microsoft now, yeah, but we, we don't Microsoft. really know. We don't really know like what Nintendo's plan is or really anyone else's like Ubisoft has announced a show. and That's kind of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, now I, we, you reported earlier this week uh, because the team announced it that a uh, hollow Knight Silk song will not be at E3. Correct.
1: Right. That, <sighs> that game, they made they made an announcement in their discord that, the much anticipated release date will not be an E3 announcement, oh, which could could imply whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, the, I guess I guess we don't have to look at that as the gloomiest news. Maybe it's still coming out soon. But, yeah, it's going to be disappointing for folks. So if you're looking forward for more information for that at E3, you can probably miss it. Are there any other big games that may or may not show up here that you can even talk about at this point?
1: So there's a there was a, a rumor this morning about uh, a new Square Enix Final Fantasy-style game. Mm. Or not style, but, like, Final Fantasy game that is, like, a PlayStation 5 exclusive or something like that. That sounds interesting. Mm. I'd, I'd like to see Square play around with their IPs more. Yeah. Square's supposedly doing another show this year. Uh, I am interested to see what they do, especially because, like, we're now hitting the point where... So, like four or 3 or 4 years ago. Maybe longer than that. Maybe like 2015 or 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Square Enix basically had a retreat where they greenlit just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And we should start seeing like the results of that fairly mm-hmm. soon. Like mm-hmm. the actual reveals of things uh, that are coming out. So I'm I'm curious to see if now is the time for Square Enix to lay all, the, lay all their cards on the table and, you know, show these things off. But I'm I'm excited for their show. Nintendo, I feel, could fall just either way. Mm. It could be like a big show where they're showing everything for the next year, or it could be like that one year they focused just on Breath of the Wild and that was it. Right. Like it it could be a great e show or a terrible either way show. They've they've not shown their cards on that at all. I and, mean it's it's yeah. been
0: two years since Breath of the Wild sequel was announced and that they're at least working on it. I mean, we've we've seen bizarre stuff in the past few weeks about this game specifically. I mean, uh, what was it? Epic? Uh, no, Microsoft just completely assumed that this game was going to be out uh, at the end of last year uh, mm-hmm. during the Xbox Series X release window. Uh, people seem to be all over the place about when that is coming. Do you have, like, if I were a betting man, should I bet that this, that game is going to show up uh, in, in June?
1: I would bet we'd see it. Right. I don't think that it will come out this year. But I bet like they know that that game just can't disappear for three years. It's probably in a, at least showable state. Yeah. So I, and I think that's going to be a large theme of E3 is we, we were not at the the industry saying, Hey, COVID hit us pretty hard, but we still have video games. Just not right now. They (laughs) will be in the future. And like, there will be a lot of, E3 is usually about setting up the next year of video games. Yeah. I think that's going to be a very literal thing this year of Mm. we're going to, we're going to mostly walk on the 2021 holiday season, but 2022, hopefully, hopefully things work out that year, barring anything else crazy happening. Right. So I, I think that'll be largely the thing this year of people, people shouldn't expect that a lot of games like I saw a, a recent era thread a few days ago of. Since we got so many delays from twenty twenty one, doesn't that mean twenty twenty two should be like full of games? I'm like, Insane no, stat. you're yeah. You no. are misinterpreting how that works. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It means everyone lost a year. It did yeah. not mean that we're all just like pushing all that stuff into 2022.
0: Yeah, you're so right. I mean, the the, the way this works is not there's just a massive log jam. Uh, next year it means that, yeah, the year's lost. You're right. I mean, that's really yeah. is the best way to put it. Um, so we know that Xbox and Bethesda are combining their show this year which makes a lot of sense because you know one owns the other. Um which you know means we might see I don't know Todd Howard take the the proverbial uh Xbox stage. Do we expect uh, Starfield that's been kind of in the rumor mill uh for the past few weeks?
1: I I think we will probably see Starfield because yeah. I think I think Microsoft realizes they do have a first party problem and showing off the next big Bethesda game is probably the likely way to handle that problem. Mm. But I also, again, COVID hit this industry very hard, (laughs) especially in like the, the area in the the area of the world that like Bethesda game studios is. I don't imagine they were working in the office for much of the last year. Mm. I, I could see there was like one rumor that was like trying to pin it for very soon and they were saying, like, oh, Bethesda's polishing this game to like a sh- like a shine. Mm. Like, oh, this rumor's fake because Bethesda would never polish a game to a shine. And I I do expect probably we will see it like winter of next year, maybe mm. like theoretically earlier, who knows? Because maybe they don't want to c- to compete like right next to Halo. But right. yeah, I I think everyone or Microsoft first party problems will probably stay problems until like mid to late next year. And I think Starfield will probably be part of that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, anything that you're, you're kind of looking forward to or or really wanting to see, uh, next, next month.
1: I think. I, so one of the things that like stuck out to me is that Konami was on the initial E3 list and then (laughs) eventually pulled out. Yeah. So like to me, (laughs) Less this is less about E3 and more about what the future what post E3 is like. <laughs> sure. To me, what that says is that there are games people thought they could show that are not going to be ready for E3. Yeah. So I suspect that once all like once E3 is over and like everyone isn't competing for space or whatever, mm. that we'll start getting a nice little trickle. Maybe not like the summer games mess that was last year, but yeah. after that we'll get like actual okay, this wasn't ready to show, but now we have some actual announcements to like put out there. And I imagine that'll come from a lot of different companies. So I'm kind of every year is always the best time of E3 is the longest possible time until the next E3. That's kind of true in this time (laughs) period as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, this, this next six weeks or so are going to be very interesting because, uh, I mean, I guess extending into July because that's when, that's when EA is going to do some of their stuff too. But, uh, and Jeff's big show is coming up right the summer games fest whatever it's called that's what it's yeah called.
1: he did a <sighs> uh, he did that last year and yeah. it was it was much more sporadic and I cannot think of a thing that actually was tied to it beyond Tony Hawk yeah and now like he he Jeff Keeley is the master of not telling <laughs> not setting expectations well. Um, <laughs> it, he tries. I, he absolutely tries doing sure. it. Like He does say, like, hey, we." I, I'm not saying this is going to be a huge thing. But then, like, the week before, it would be like, this is going to be the biggest reveal in the history of video games. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. Unreal Engine 5 was pretty cool, but maybe you could, like, set expectations there a little bit better. And this time people like GameSpot straight up asked him like hey do you mean Elden Ring and he's like I'm not going to answer that and (laughs) like maybe I understand why you couldn't answer that but set expectations (laughs) on that because Elden Ring people I can tell you from experience do not handle disappointment well no they don't we'll We'll see if we get to the end of July. And he's like, I didn't mean Elden Ring. I never said it was going to be Elden Ring.
0: I mean, even the crumbs that Elden Ring people get, they just seem to hugely disappoint them. So, yeah. It's uh, a slippery slope. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, listen, I could tell you right now, Imran, that we should stick to video games. But I do have one question for you. And it involves a lot of stuff that, like, we talk about here, the website, and I know you feel passionately about it. Um, a lot of times when something happens in the world and folks like us, us want to point, uh, point to it and say, Hey, you should pay attention to this and help, uh, you know, actually change the way, uh, history is unfolding, especially when there are uh, atrocities and injustices happening in the world. Like there are in, uh, Gaza and the West bank right now. Uh, a lot of people tell us to stick to video games and tell other writers to stick to sports or stick to their beat or whatever. I know you feel a certain way about that. Like I, that seems to be one of those things that you know we're constantly having to hear, and I usually kind of ignore that shit because it really bothers me. But why? Why should we not stick to our own shit? I mean, like, d- does anyone have a point about this?
1: So i I came from political writing be- yeah. and into game journalism. So for me, it is like it's like saying, "Hey, don't leverage your worldview or work experience." <laughs> into the next job. But also like, this is not tort reform. This is (laughs) like people are dying. And like, there are things in the world that are larger than whatever subject you're talking about. If I, whatever conversation I have with people, you can stretch to like make it about po- or make it political but you could also not have to stretch at all it just right. is and at some point the effort you're putting into it is an effort into ignoring it and not mm. you know trying to make it about something and i i think this has been true for a lot of the last 4 years but it's been true for a lot of the last like 30 to 40 to 50 years of if you put your head in the sand about these things and you say like, well, that's not my beat. That's not my lane. That's not my audience. What you're doing is you're saying my audience isn't good enough to understand why this is important. They're not smart enough. Like I have immense respect for fan audience because fan audience knows when, knows when something is like, not just uh, the subject matter it sees. Right. The, they, the audience knows that, there are more important things necessarily than just talking about video games as video. Like this is a good example. This is not political, but Kentaro Miura died sure. the other day. Yeah. And Huge. if you just look at his work, he, he's the, the author and artist for Berserk. If you just look at his work, it's like, okay, a manga artist died. I'm not really into manga. So that's not really my thing, but he had immense influence over video games over the years. Like Mm -hmm. I, I would struggle to find a lot of Japanese game designers that did not read or were influenced by Berserk. Mm -hmm. I like, if you just saw that alone, you might not think it's your thing. Politics is not that always, but it always does have an effect on what you think and what you, what is happening. And there are, even just the the THQ Nordic thing we were talking about, they still haven't really reckoned with the fact that they advertised on a white supremacist site and yeah. barely talked about it afterwards. Mm. Like, there are things that are should inform how you uh, take these things in, even if it doesn't matter to you. Even if at the end of the day, you're like, okay, I know THQ Nordic these things, but I still want to play Biomutant. Like, <laughs> that's totally understandable, but it's still related to all this stuff. Yeah. You go to CNN and you ignore stories all the time yeah. that you should, if you have that in you to do that on a, an actual news site, you can go to fanbite.com and be like, okay, cool. They wrote a letter, uh, uh supporting Palestine and supporting an end to apartheid and genocide and uh-huh, the, uh-huh. the ongoing violence and be like, that's not really for me, but I understand that they did that. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So when people tell me, like tell me or us or journalists in general to like, not our stadium or lane or talk about it. It's like my lane is way wider than you think.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, subject matter for things that don't matter. Like, like, I don't know, wrestling or sports or whatever. It's like people have multiple interests and it's such a bizarre thing to assume that that doesn't extend to things that are happening in the world, which yeah. is like, I, I don't know. So strange to me. So when I see people, Um, you know, begging, I mean, really pleading with people in this industry to really stay in a specific lane. It, it, it makes me sad, honestly, because I think in too much to your point, I think like our audience, I think the audience of a lot of other games, websites out there, especially ones that, that also spoke up this week about this stuff, um, they, they, they contain these multitudes. Like th- these audiences actually do care about this stuff. And also this is what we care about too. And like, we put our own souls into this work. I mean, I know that sounds cheesy, but it's like there are little chunks of ourselves in the work that we do. And it, if it's about, uh, I don't know, a needle punctured Reese's peanut butter cup or uh berserk or, um, I, uh, the next big video game coming out or about what's happening in the world. Like that stuff is ours. And yeah. as long as you're on the site and you're listening to us, like you have to kind of deal with there, these little chunks of us in the stuff. And if you don't like that, that's cool. But like, you, you know, go somewhere else. Like frankly, I think,
1: yeah, I think everyone has a right to compartmentalize for themselves of like, I, I do want to come to a video game site and only read video game stuff. Do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> only read the That's video fine. game stuff only if read you want the video to game stuff
0: yeah i mean yeah. i don't know like my wife will go on facebook and be like god a lot of bummers a lot of you know just a lot of bummers i'm like hide the bummers like but don't tell me <laughs> about the bummers don't tell them about the bummers like yeah. you just have to let them live you know i don't know
1: i compartmentalize if you want to but you don't have any right to tell anyone to compartmentalize I, for themselves 100
0: percent. so yeah uh yeah uh, we're on the same page there if you are listening to this show the day it airs, which is Friday, uh, tomorrow, uh, the 22nd. Uh, fanbyte is having a, a 12-hour stream uh, for the Palestine Children's Relief Fund. Uh, 10 a.m. Pacific to twelve uh, 10 uh, p.m. Pacific. You can join us over at twitch.tv slash fanbyte. If you want to give directly, you can't join the stream for whatever reason. You can go to fundbyte, F-U-N-D-B-Y-T-E dot stream uh, and do that. We uh, helped the, uh, Palestine, Palestine children's relief fund actually get on tiltify, which is rad. So, um, yeah, please, please, please hang out with us. Uh, and we'll leave that link up, I think for a while. So if you're listening to this next week, you missed it, you'll still be able to go to that link and, uh, donate. So, uh, Emron, thank you so much for hanging out, talking about E3 and time splitters and. Yeah. Thank I'm you talking. for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, uh, you know what? I'll probably talk to you in, I don't know, an hour or so. Sounds good. Well, hey, partners, how about a roundup for you? (laughs) Have you heard of Grand Theft Auto V? It's uh, one of the biggest video games in the world. It made almost a billion dollars this last fiscal year. And for a game being out as long as it has, that's really uh, that's really something something pretty special. Uh, The game is coming to Xbox Series X and S as well as PlayStation 5 on November 11th. Uh, Take two announced a bunch of stuff, including updates to Grand Theft Auto online and Red Dead online this summer. Uh, They also hinted that there will be some sort of Grand Theft Auto three celebration because that game has been out for 20 years. That's right. 20 years to zero. And boy, that's making me feel really old this week. Speaking of Take-Two, CEO Strauss Zelnick, at their uh, financial call for the past fiscal year, confirmed that 21 new games are in development at Take-Two, with four being immersive core titles and two being with new IP. Uh, One of those immersive core titles is a new collaboration with Gearbox and that's going to play in i mean that's going to release within the fiscal year. Uh Gearbox itself was recently acquired by THQ Nordic uh, which is part of that big embracer group uh, that the Imran and I talked about uh, earlier about time splitters. Uh that acquisition apparently does not affect this collaboration with uh, uh with Take-2, but we have no idea if they will be able to continue to work with Take-2 after release of this game. We just have no idea. Blizzard and the Overwatch team made some waves this week when they announced that the PvP mode of Overwatch 2 will actually shift from a uh, 6v6 setup to a 5v5 setup. In 2019, the multiplayer, ver- the competitive multiplayer version of Overwatch moved to a uh, roll queue setup, so there were two tanks per team. Uh, that was slowing the game down, according to game director Aaron Keller, who took over from Jeff Kaplan, of course. Uh, he said, quote, tanks can be a problem. Uh, explaining that the current setup is a slower game and they want to get away from that slowness in the sequel. So there will be one tank per team and, of course, two less people per match. Uh, That's a pretty big shift, but uh, it sounds like they know what they're doing and I look forward to playing that at some point within the next five years. (laughs) That's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank my guest, Imran Khan, for stopping by and dropping some very interesting knowledge about video games, about the world around us, about a lot of things. Imran's a delight to talk to always. Uh, If you want to follow him over on Twitter, you can do that at ImranZOMG on Twitter. If you want to follow our producer Paul Tamayo, you can do that at Pauly Mayo. If you want to follow me, John Warren, you can do that at Floppy Adult. You can follow Fanbyte at Fanbyte Media and check out all of our podcasts at podcastnet.org. Until next week, you're welcome.